The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Well, welcome everybody to chapter seven of Love Was His Meaning. Uh, welcome back after the Christmas holiday if you're watching this in real time. Otherwise, it's just good to have you with us. We'll go ahead and get started with our office as the URL is printed both in the descriptions and on the screen. Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, Let's join together in Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. I call upon you from the ends of the earth with heaviness in my heart. Set me upon the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. I will dwell in your house forever. I will take refuge under the cover of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have granted me the heritage of those who fear your name. At length of days to the king's life, let his years extend over many generations. Let him sit enthroned before God forever. Bid love and faithfulness watch over him. So will I always sing the praise of your name, and day by day I will fulfill my vows. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's join together in a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you, and if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Now, beloved people of God, last time we left off here, we had finished chapter 6, uh, in which uh, Julian told us to cleave to the goodness of God, uh, talked about the... Um, uh, anything the intermediary intermediaries were all too little that God is in the lowest part of our being uh, and in in the case of this the, she actually brought up the example of defecation that that God is with us even when we go to the bathroom um, and that uh, that our lover desires our soul to cleave to him with all his might and that's the first time she uses that that metaphor of lover which she will use several times um, here in the text uh, so that brings us to um, chapter seven. And to teach us this, as I understand it, our Lord God showed Our Lady St. Mary at the same time, which is to signify the exalted wisdom and truth she had in contemplating her Creator, so great, so high, so mighty, and so good. This greatness and this nobility of her vision of God filled her with reverent fear, and with this she saw herself so little and so lowly, so simple and so poor, in relation to her Lord God, that this reverent dread feared her, filled her with humility. And thus, for this reason, she was filled full of grace, and of all kinds of virtues, and surpasses all creatures. 
During all the time that he showed this, which I have just described in spiritual vision, I was watching the bodily sight of the abundant bleeding of the head continuing. The great drops of blood fell down from under the garland like pellets, seeming as if they had come out of the veins, and as they emerged they were brown-red, for the blood was very thick, and in the spreading out they were bright red, and when the blood came to the brows, there the drops vanished, and nevertheless the bleeding continued until many things were seen and understood. The beauty and lifelikeness was comparable to nothing except itself. The abundance was like the drops of water that fell off the eaves of the house after a great shower of rain, which falls so thick that no man can number them with earthly wit. And because of their roundness, the drops were like the scales of herring as they sprout over the forehead. These three things came to my mind at the time, pellets because of roundness in the emerging of the blood, the scales of herring and the spreading over the forehead because of the roundness, the drops off the eaves of a house because of the immeasurable abundance. This showing was alive and active, and hideous and dreadful, and sweet and lovely. And of all the sights, it was most comfort to me that our God and Lord, who is so worthy of respect and so fearsome, is also so plain and gracious, and this filled me almost full with delight and security of soul. For the interpretation of this, he showed me this clear example. It is the most honor that a solemn king or great lord can do for a poor servant if he is willing to be friendly with him, and specifically, if he demonstrates it himself from a full, true intention, and with a glad countenance, both privately and publicly, then thinks this poor creature thus, Ah, how could this noble lord give more honor and joy to me than to show me, who am so little, this marvelous friendliness? Truly it is more joy and pleasure to me than if he gave me great gifts, and were himself distant in manner. This bodily example was shown so mightily that man's heart could be carried away and almost forget itself for joy over this great friendliness. Thus it fares between our Lord Jesus and ourselves. For truly, it is the most joy that can be as I see it, that he who is highest and mightiest, noblest and worthiest, is also lowliest and meekest, most friendly and most gracious. And surely and truly this marvelous joy shall be shown us all when we see him. And this wishes our Lord, that we believe and trust, enjoy and delight, comfort and solace ourselves as best we can, with his grace and with his help, until the time that we see that joy truly. For the greatest fullness of joy that we shall have as I see it is the marvelous graciousness and friendliness of the Father who is our Creator, and the Lord Jesus who is our Brother and our Savior. But no man can be aware of this marvelous friendliness in this life unless he receives it by special showing from our Lord or from a great abundance of grace inwardly given from the Holy Spirit. But faith and belief with love are worthy to have the reward, and so it is received by grace. For in faith and hope and love our life is grounded. The showing, made to whom God wishes, plainly teaches the same uncovered and explained with many secret details that are part of our faith and belief that is honorable to know. And when the showing, which is given at one time, is past and hidden, then the faith keeps it by the grace of the Holy Spirit until our life's end. And this is the showing. It is none other than the faith, neither less nor more, as can be seen by our Lord's meaning in the earlier manner, until it comes to the final end. 
So, beloved, a, a few things here. The first thing, and I probably will say this several times, just as we go through these early parts where Julian is having these very vivid visions of the Lord's passion. Um, I've just finished reading a book called Transfiguring Loss by um, uh, Jane Maynard. It's not a new book. Um, it's written by a person who is a uh, an Episcopal priest and a chaplain who served during the AIDS crisis. Um, and uh, what uh, this person, what she does is she brings up these... Um, uh, the idea that that Julian is, is herself a survivor. Um, something we have to remember is the amount of stuff that's going on uh, at the time in the 13th century, which I've gone through before. But specifically, uh, one of the large um, outbreaks of the Black Plague would have happened around when Julian was around seven. Uh, and we know from, from records in Norwich that probably around 50% of the population died during that particular plague. So she is a plague survivor, uh, somebody who is probably deeply affected by that. And what uh, Maynard's um, hypothesis here is that a lot of the stuff that she works out between the short text, which is just the showings themselves, and the long text, which is what we're reading, which which uh, reflects decades of reflection, um, is her understanding and working out of um, uh, this uh, this tra soft tra sorry survivor trauma. And also her experience of counseling people because she was a spiritual director. So she spent 20 years, you know, 20, 30 years counseling people before she wrote the long text. So it's her struggle with suffering and humanity. And I think that's a really important thing for us to remember right now. I was just reading an article in the New York Post uh, because where, have we, where we are right now at the end of 2021 uh, has been just two years of just a constant level of trauma. Uh, for the entire world, um, I read an article in the New York in the um, in the Washington Post that said that uh, a study of five um, Western countries says that 13% of the po population are suffering PTSD uh, symptoms associated with the actual um, COVID-19. Um, so we're all right now, especially uh, humanity, is always suffering trauma, uh, but the entire world is suffering a particular shared trauma right now, and that's something to remember. And it's part of why Julian can speak to us so succinctly right now. And one of the most important things that happens with a survivor uh, of, of trauma is, is a way to integrate that trauma and to work that trauma into a narrative. Uh, when trauma occurs, it kind of destroys or, or heavily modifies the narrative of the person who was before. And the person who is afterwards is effectively kind of a new person who is reintegrating their old story but also the trauma and their future into a new story. And uh, Maynard sees Julian doing this. Uh, I, I don't think that changes the fact that the, the, the visions are from, from God and that we believe that they're a true spiritual reflection. In many ways, that makes it more powerful that these visions are a way that Julian is given to integrate her trauma and also a way for her to show the rest of us to do so. Um, so that's kind of as we get into the, a lot of these things that are around the suffering of Jesus, that's where we need to be is is a lot of this has to do may may have to do with the fact of taking something that is traumatic and seems meaningless and working it into a narrative which shows us gives us some meaning underneath it uh, which is definitely the difference between the suffering that we that happens in the in in a plague which seems meaningless at the time at least you know if it's not meaningless it sure seems that way uh, with the suffering and, and death of Jesus, which is in some ways the most ultimate uh, meaningful suffering because it has an end and it has, a, has a, re, uh, a, a reason for why it exists. So 
The first thing we get in chapter 7 is this vision of Mary um, because of her humility. Humility is really important for Julian. Uh, All through the texts, we find her talking about humility and that being a really important uh, part of her, her journey for him for her and and Mary is held up as the the ultimate example of this. And then we get well she's given the spiritual vision so there are two things going on here. There's a bodily vision which is the vision that she is seeing with her eyes. It doesn't mean it's physically there, but it's the vision that she sees through her eyes and a spiritual vision that's going on at the same time which is probably something kind of intuitive. So uh, literally two things going on in her head at the same time. So while the spiritual vision of Mary is going on, the bodily vision of Jesus' um, head bleeding is, is going on. And she uses these images when she talks about the bleeding. Of uh, The first one she uses is pellets. Um, people talk about trying to figure out exactly what the pellet is. John Julian says there's a certain kind of, uh, I believe it's wheat, that at the time would have been sold in pellets, and this would have been something, you know, a size that most people would have been able to, to pick out pretty easily. The second is the herring scales, which is an unusual, seems unusual to us, but we have to remember that um, Julian lived in Norwich, which in which herring was the most common food stuff, especially preserved, because you could smoke it. It was at the, the mouth of the river that... Um, that, that Norwich was on was a major port, port for herring. Um, and uh, you could smoke it, and you could salt it, you could keep it all winter. So it was really common. This is something people would see every day. Um, and then the third one are the, the plenteousness, the, 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 the blood falling off the head. Plenteousness like water coming off the eaves of a house. And we have to remember that we're talking here about a thatched roof house. So the it's it's not like the the sheets that you would see coming off a modern shingled house. It's like these rivulets that would be would would go off the the thatching into these uh, these rivulets that would come off in 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 long drops. Um, and the other thing to remember about this is that um, the this is not in many ways a dying vision. She will have a dying vision of Jesus, but that's not what this is. It's almost. Uh, <laughs> Well, this is an impious way of putting it. It's almost like a fountain. I mean, it's it's like there doesn't seem to be an end to it. It doesn't seem to be hurting Jesus at this point. Uh, but you have this v- vision of the crown of thorns like a thatched roof cottage with the, the, the blood coming off of it. Um, and she says, she says that I love this particular sentence. This is amazing. The showing was alive and active. So it's alive. It's not about death. It's hideous and dreadful. It's horrible to behold. And it's sweet and lovely. It's both hideous and dreadful and sweet and lovely at the same time. You know, trying to get her her, her um, mind around what's going on here. Um, one thing I wanted to share with you, uh, if you're watching the live stream or the video here, I'm going to put up this picture of Lou Bro's icon, which is the one that I use for the... Um, um, the podcast. Uh, if you're on the audio podcast, if you go to the the picture that's associated with this episode, uh, you'll see uh, close in on the nimbus of Julian. Uh, and, and in here, uh, Lou Bro has actually gone in and put um, these herring scales in the nimbus around Julian's head, which I think is a really pretty amazing um, artistic representation. And one, then she moves on to say. It is so comforting to her that somebody who's so worthy of respect and so fearsome is also so plain and gracious. This is one of the things that Julian is really good at. God is both courtly um, in the fact that he shows courtly love towards us, but also homely 
that he shows homely love towards towards us, uh, very very personal, very um, not not very high highfalutin, I guess we would say in the old days, um, and that it fills it with her delight and security of soul. And she uses this illustration that is given to her of. As if a mighty king, and we have to remember we're in a medieval society, so a king is so far above you. You know, this is a person who, under a lot of circumstances, has the ability to demand your death just instantly. Um, this is a person, everybody had a lord in, in feudal society. Um, so even, I mean, technically the king thought of God as as the, the, God, the, the king over him. It was a very stratified society. So the idea of... This God who is so worthy of respect and fearsome um, is is a person who is like giving, being friendly with the servant. She's like, I cannot believe that this person who is so far above me is being so homely with me, is being as if we were two people who lived together in the same house. And that that's, that's uh, more than, than if the person was distant to me and gave me great gifts. You know, it's that, that friendliness between people who... who who by society standards shouldn't be friendly, are friendly to each other, uh, is the greatest gift that you can ask for. And this is a, a constant source of amazement for her in her medieval context. Um, and that the most true and marvelous joy is the one that we see only at the end when we behold God face to face, that we believe and trust and joy and delight, comfort and solace ourselves as best we can in this world with his grace and his help until the time come that we see that joy truly. Um, and then she finally ends up by saying, you know, what I'm seeing is the faith and nothing more. And what she's talking about is the faith of church. Uh, something we'll see throughout this is that she has revealed things that she doesn't quite know how to reconcile with the church's teaching. Uh, and, but her trust is, at the end, that God will reconcile them. Instead of saying, well, the church is wrong, or saying, my vision's wrong, Julian is is noticeably willing to keep um, some some opposites and some things that that contradict each other, and to keep those in tension in believing that's where God wants her to be, and somehow that that's really helpful to us. Um, one of the realities of a trauma survivor um, is that there are really kind of two ways a person can go after surviving trauma. Um, Pardeep Singh uh, Kaleka Singh talked about this uh, in his tech talk at our longest night service a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and there are really kind of, uh, there, there are a number of shades of gray, but there really is kind of a path of bitterness and a path of grace, grace. a choice to um, kind of tighten up one's worldview and become very rigid, or a way to become very supple. Um, and one of the things that many of the commentators talk about in Julian is that um, Julian is talking about how prayer makes us supple. If we are expected to keep these kind of contradictions going, if we're expected to think of God as both courteous and homely at the same time, then by nature we're somewhat supple, and we are better um, able to, num number one, integrate the things that have happened to us in our lives and come out with a new narrative, and number two, uh, to deal with stuff that comes at us um, on. This uh, comes at us after this. Um, this is basically the entire lesson of the book of Job. Um, that Job has a very similar view on on suffering. Uh, that you know, two ways you can go. Job choose Job cho chose the better one. Finally, after after much talking with God, and Julian did as well. Um, so that ends us for chapter seven, and we will head into chapter eight next week.
Let us continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I ask your prayers for those on our parish prayer list. I ask for prayers for all those in Waukesha recovering, all those who are still recovering from the tornadoes. I bid your prayers and intercessions at this time. Let us say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me today for Love Was His Meaning, Chapter 7. Uh, we will return next Tuesday with Chapter 8. Um, until then, please take care of yourselves with the Omicron variant out there. Please take all the measures that are recommended uh, to keep you and everybody around you safe. And until I see you next time, God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.